Well, hello and welcome to The Christian Contrast, where we talk about how walking with Jesus leads us to live differently than the world around us. And I'm here with Pastor Gary Keith, and we're going to be having a conversation that's going to be a little bit more personal, but also big picture. Um, if you're a part of our church family, um, you probably know by now that we're going through a transition where Gary, after 41 years on staff and 11 years in the lead pastor role, is going to be retiring from that. Um, I, after uh, almost 11 years on staff, am going to be stepping into that. So it's kind of an exciting, interesting time. And we wanted to talk a little bit about sort of what has been your process and what the Lord has been doing in your life as you got here so that our church family can get in on that. Um, but also to talk about maybe some things that are instructed for all of us as we look at how you're walking through this unique season. So uh, let's just start with this. Why don't you talk through a little bit about how you came to this point of stepping down from this position right now and what the Lord has done to bring you to this point? Yeah, yeah, I've been doing that. Um, you know, I got into my 60s, and I got more than halfway into our, my 60s, and my children are all adults at this point, and they begin to ask me questions like, well, Dad, when are you going to uh, retire? When are you going to slow down? And and uh, I hadn't thought much about that until that time because uh, I had energy. I felt like I still had passion for ministry. My brain was still working well. My body's doing well. But in 2018, Marim and I took a vacation uh, during the summer up to Cambria. If you've ever been there, it's a beautiful place to mm -hmm. think and to just reflect on life a bit. We were in a little hotel that had a porch that overlooked the ocean. And I'm an early riser. Marim was still in bed. I got up, had my coffee in hand, had my Bible in hand, and, and I, I remember just beginning to pray. And in, in my morning times, I, I want to have silence and solitude before the Lord. And that's usually when I take, after reading the scriptures, I begin to believe God is speaking to me through the thoughts that He implants and through the Holy Spirit's prompting in those areas. And I remember the message was something like this. He said, it's, it's time for you to start thinking about how to invest in the next generation of leadership. Hmm. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know how that was going to unfold. But that's where it really started for me. And then at some point, I, <clears throat> I shared with our chairman of the board, and we started talking about this. I started to say, yeah, this is something good, and started to begin to equip myself. And I'd read a book called Next. And it's a book about succession and doing it well in a church setting. It's like, you just don't give a two-week notice. Right. So all of this started shaping, and it's, it actually started in 2018. But I don't really think it started more, uh, act, more active until uh, we were actually in a pandemic at that time, in 2019 and 2020. And behind the scenes, there was conversations going and said, yeah, Gary, let's start thinking about this. And what is this going to look like and how are we going to unfold this? So that's a little story of how that decision came. Uh, it came as my children asking me, and then it was confirmed that, yeah, I'll start thinking about this, Gary, um, when the Lord was saying to me, now is now some time. Because I think, as I look back on that now, Dan, it was a time where I was equipping myself, and I, we were not in a rush. So we, could, we had an opportunity to think through equip ourselves and transition a change well. Because I, I would, I'm going to assume people have experience. I know I have experience. Transitions don't always go well. And the church suffers. And I didn't want the church to suffer. So that, that's kind of the backstory, And it, it just kind of has uh, moved forward. I didn't really know the date. 
until I think earlier this year. I mean, I had some general ideas in mind and people would ask me, oh, sometime in the next year or so, you know, and that was truth. But I think during this year, as we began to see some of these things that we wanted to put in place sync up, it became more clear. And that's where we're at today. Yeah. And it is, you kind of alluded to it, but there's no, there's no specific sort of, this is the exact way to do something like this. You know, sadly, like you said, we, we've all been in situations where we've seen it done in ways that weren't great, either because there was some sort of fall from, from uh, qualification for ministry yeah. or mm-hmm. somebody, maybe it wasn't bad, but they just left kind of suddenly to another ministry and you're like, oh boy, we got to figure this out. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we talked about it along the way and I, uh-huh. I know the elders talked about it too, just we were set up for the potential of a really good, a really healthy transition. And I know mm-hmm. you had some thoughts and, and sort of even some convictions about what you wanted that to be like since we were in this sort of privileged position to look to do this well. And I, I'd love for you to share just what were some of those beliefs and convictions that led you as you thought about what this would look like to make this transition? Yeah. You know, in the book that I read, there were no step-by-step guide. It was more principles. And so I started reflecting on some of those principles about how to do this and how to do it and when to do it. And for me, the convictions came as, number one, I wanted to leave well, and I wanted to make sure the church was set up well for the future. And to me, that meant taking the, the, uh, the approach, the environment, the, the status of the church right now that I had been given some freedom to develop uh, after my experience of, with different people in charge, and, and somewhat continue that. And so I wanted to find a, a person who was in sync with us. And I wanted to, is that best inside the church? Is that best outside the church? So I uh, wanted to leave well, wanted to leave at a time where we had a person in mind that might be able to know the philosophy of our church, because that's so huge, mm-hmm. and keep us moving in a good direction. There also needed to be a sense of um, health in the church. I mentioned, talked a little bit about that on Sunday, but you know, we haven't always had good relationships within the board or the board with the staff. I mean, obviously when you're here for 41 years, you're gonna have seasons of time. Absolutely. That are, that are, and, and God used those I reflected on those, I thought about those, even back in 2011 when I was given the option and and the ability to to rethink some things here at the church. Uh, And so as I looked at where we're at right now, Dan, there was a measure of health. The board, we were were diversified in Mm -hmm. our thought, but we were unified in thought. We would come to that. To me, that's a strength. To me, that's a measure of health. And then the relationship between the elder board and the staff, uh, was good and healthy, especially with the pastoral team. Um, there was support for the staff. There was belief in the staff. There was encouragement um, in, in, from the board. And so I thought we had health and we had the right person. And then uh, another conviction is what's our plan? Hmm. How are we going to initiate this? And never doing it this way before. You know, I've shared, I'm a collaborative kind of guy. Brought yourself and some others together. How do we do this? And how do we do this well? And uh, so that was, those were the factors. And I also didn't want us to be in a crisis. Yeah. You know, some of those things I've just mentioned are the some things I, same things I learned that if a church is going to go, let's say, into a building, a new facility, and we're going to rally our people, those same principles kind of have to be in place. I remember having the, uh, the plans all ready to go for the building I mentioned that we built in 97, I had the plans and the 
they were ready to go in the late, late 80s. But our church was not in a good place. The reason we did the building in 97 is the measure of health and the right timing. Same thing with this transition. The timing of a lot of this is directed by where we're as a church. And I feel really good about the staff team we have here for you taking over. And I believe in all this. So that's a big part of it, too. So those are my convictions. Yeah. And I think that makes a a ton of sense when you think, you know, we've joked throughout this whole time, you know, I'm not you. (laughs) You know, just, you know, like, you're not trying to be me. I'm not trying to be you. You know, we, we each have the the gift set and the the sort of the full package that the Lord has given each of us. Yeah. And so even with that, even, you know, I, I've shared before when I came on staff um, a, as the teaching pastor here, I was thankful that I didn't feel like I came on saying, well, I need to try to <laughs> dramatically mold this place to fit me. I was like, this, this is a place that already believes the Bible, and I'm not having to convince anybody that it's a good idea for us to teach the Bible. And there was even already, a, before I ever showed up, a strong pro-life conviction, which was something that was important to me, because mm-hmm. that can be sort of a litmus test to say, are, are we willing to stand up for difficult issues? And so there were so many things that, that I, as a staff member, came in and said, oh, I'm very much in sync with things. Um, and at the same time, knowing it's it's going to be different. It's going to be a change. People are going to yeah. feel that change. So not being at a time of dramatic upheaval helps because there's already going to be changes. Yeah. Um, sometimes you can't control that. Sometimes that's just the, the way that things unfold. But I know that that was something that was significant to you and significant to the elder team and significant to me to say, let, let's try to minimize sort of the other drama going on around us. You know, mm-hmm. we can't control what Val- Vladimir Putin is going to do, but <laughs> no. we, we can look to, as a church family, be at a healthy place and, yeah. and and that joyful place so that we can experience as much harmony as we can, recognizing e- even in the best circumstances, everybody's going to adjust. Everybody's going to run up against each other a little bit and and feel the, the different difficulties that go along with any kind of shift. Yeah, let me speak to that just a moment, because... Dan, one of the other messages that the Lord kind of said was, I, I kept looking for a clone of myself. I said, right. okay, no one's going to be like me, but who, how can I make like me? And God says, let go of that. Hmm. And Dan, let me just publicly say, from day one, November of 2011, when you came, you have, you have been the most supportive, encouraging of the ministry and how it was set up. You know, we have worked together, and some would say this is an awkward setup. Right. It's, it's you know? not the normal setup. And what it took was for both of us to believe in each other, right. for both of us to have honest conversations with each other about ministry in, in real time for 10 years now, almost 11. And the church needs to know we've done that. Absolutely. We've done that. And so I'm excited that you are here. I'm I'm. I'm in fact, one of the things in the book says they shouldn't be the same person. Right. <laughs> that, I had to put that aside and, and let that go. And God's helped me because of who you are and how you operate in ministry. So I, I'm, I'm really encouraged what, what the future holds for us because yeah. of some of that same things that we've been working together. And I mean, when you came here, you never said, hey, I want to be the lead pastor. You said, hey, I'm here to serve. I'm here to do what God's called me to do. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being a guy who is demonstrated in multiple times in multiple cases maybe at times you didn't always agree that well, we had diversity of thought but there was mm-hmm. unity and um and so thank you for that i just wanted to say that to you it's, it's it's a big deal for me yeah one i appreciate you saying that a lot and i know you know you experienced this also but over these 10 years <laughs> you know when i tell different friends or people that i meet yeah here's our setup i know the the question that i usually get is 
huh. So how does that work? <laughs> how does that work? Yeah. <laughs> because it is normally the guy that you see most frequently up front preaching and teaching is the lead guy. That, mm-hmm. That's the, sort of what most people are used to. And mm-hmm. it was funny because each time somebody would ask me, I would say, remarkably well. <laughs> and then I would pause because I, I'd gotten so used to it. I was like, yeah, you're right. This is not the normal way. Yeah. And I just wanted to say I, the idea of being the lead pastor and not being the one that's up there most frequently, your, your humility and non-possessiveness in this, I think, is a massive part, if not the most massive part of what's made this work. Mm-hmm. is that you are such a team guy. You want the win for the body of Christ. You want Jesus lifted high. You've set an incredible model for all of us just to say it's not about us. Mm-hmm. You know, you've said, you said on Sunday when we announced this, you know, this is not a personality-driven church. Mm-hmm. You have kept us from so many sad traps that we've seen churches fall into because you've set that model to the point that you've been willing to say, I'm the lead guy. And I'm not even up there that much. And and I just think that has been such a model. And so it's been fun over the last 10 years of telling people our setup, having them look at me sideways, and then saying, actually, this is working incredibly well, and God's really working through this. So maybe we're doing the Mutual Admiration Society here for a moment. (laughs) Let's just keep it going. But the reason is because I remember... One of the early uh, meetings we had was like a teaching series that was coming. Remember that meeting with yes. me and Jeff? <laughs> and uh, I was struggling with how do we operate in this? And I remember he asked me a question, well, who's the ultimate decider on this? And I had to make that call, right? It's you. It's you. And so that began and continued. And that because I had trust. Trust continued. We have to have trust with each other. Absolutely. And I think that's been a key factor in this. We believe in each other, and there's been trust in each other. So at the risk of being a back and forth, back and forth, <laughs> right. uh, I just wanted to say that because I, that thing, that story came to my mind as a key turning point yeah. in one of the many decisions that we've had to make as we work together. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, here, I, I want to make sure that um, for people listening, which I, I assume is mostly members of our church family, but maybe are, are other people that are just <clears throat> wanting to listen in, for you to talk a little bit about what's next for you. Because yeah. the great thing yeah. about this is this is not you sort of fading off into the twilight. God has called you to something new. Yeah. So a good friend of mine um, has, uh, was a pastor in, our, in, a, in the area here. And six years ago, he left that church, and he was looking for a new place of ministry. And... Uh, he found this ministry called Standing Stone. And Standing Stone is a ministry that's been in, in, uh, in existence for more than 20 years. And it's founded by uh, Jim and Debbie Hogan, who when they're lay people, they were not in the pastoral ministry, but they had seen these patterns within churches where pastors would leave the ministry earlier, or they'd have early, too early beyond their there, I mean, before they should leave. And then maybe there was a moral thing. Maybe there was just a, a conflicts with boards or whatever. And they wanted to do something intentionally to help pastors walk through difficult times. So they started this ministry. And um, it's been in effect for a long time. In fact, I got, I've been in, I went to three days training to see if I even wanted to join this ministry after three interviews with them, interviewing me with, they wanted me. <clears throat> so this has been going on for a while. And I got to sit at the same table with the founders, who themselves just handed the ministry after 20 years mm. over to a younger couple, and now they're going to do what I'm doing. They were there for training. So I learned about this from my pastor friend, and so it's always been in the back of my mind. Because, Dan, I didn't even like using the word retire on Sunday morning, but 
I didn't want to use the word I'm resigning or I'm terminating. I felt it is because of my age, uh, a, a proper term. But I'm not retiring from church ministry. I've never felt that. I believed in the calling that God has given me to serve the local church. And I found this place where I can continue to serve it. Uh, I can serve it full-time or part-time. I'm choosing part-time because I am wanting to enjoy a little slowdown in my life. But I have the opportunity to connect with pastors literally all over the nation. And this friend of mine, a pastor friend, he's got guys around the world because of thanks to Zoom and other. So they offer this free service for as long as a pastor wants it. And um, we come alongside other pastors. Uh, God puts this together and we build trusted, confident relationships. And our desire is not to be a counselor, not to be a doctrine keeper, but to be come alongside someone and help encourage them in the calling that God give them. Because I believe in the church. Jesus made some pretty strong statements about the church in Matthew chapter 16. We all know about that. When you know the disciples came and, and he, he asked them, who do people say they am? And they kind of missed it. And then he asked Peter, and Peter says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, upon that rock, upon that statement, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. There's a promise there Jesus gave. Mm -hmm. And I have adopted the seriousness and the value and the importance of the church that, that Jesus died for. And it takes all sorts of expressions for sure. But I lived in this expression. Now I'm going to live in a new expression of helping people keep the church vibrant and alive. We need spirit-filled pastors out there. We need guys who, uh, who believe. I'm only going to be working with guys. We don't work in, with opposite genders. But I'll be working with guys, so I'll just use that, that term for right now, to help them refresh, renew, and... Uh, and be, come alongside and just help them. And I see, I, I, I have this excitement because, well, it's been kind of hard because I've been working in both worlds for a while, and I'm right. putting that on pause until, until after June 1st. But I'm kind of excited about, I've worked in one church setting now, and we've, I've been hopefully encouraging, pastoring, caring, shepherding for our eight pastoral team right now. Now I get the opportunity, hopefully, if God so brings it my way, to do that all over the nation and in a variety of ways, email, whatever. I mean, uh, what do you call it? Zoom right. and in person. And so I'm looking forward to that time. Yeah. Uh, I'm also looking forward to slowing down a little bit and not having the, the lead pastor responsibility. And I didn't understand what that really felt like until it was, on, it was in my hands. And so there's, there's some relaxation, but there's also the opportunity to live into this calling and still stay effective in the church. Yeah. So I'm going to do that. And I, and I love that. And I, I, I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about it, but I, I think that this is such a significant thing to do. You know, I, I feel like because, uh, largely because of how you've led and shepherded our team, um, there are hard things. We're, we're not a perfect church. We, we have conflicts. <laughs> yeah. Pastoring is hard. Um, but when I talk to some friends and hear some of the stories, I realize how good I've had it here. And, and part of it is that we've had a team environment. I, I, I haven't felt like the weight of the world is always just on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. I can walk across the hall and talk to Andy or Phil and, yeah. you know, just, you know, you, um, but I have friends that are more in that sort of solo pastor mode, which is most churches in the U S are, are sort of that, the, the one person on staff. And I know just the loneliness that can happen and the discouragement and you're doing so much and sometimes you're just getting the criticism. So I, mm -hmm. I just wanted to say, I, I think that this is a real win and a needed ministry. And also you alluded to something. You talked um, 
I think on Sunday, I don't think you said it exactly this way, but <laughs> something along the, the lines of, you know, while I'm retiring from this position, I'm not retiring from my calling yeah. that God gave me. And I would yeah. love, because this is something that applies to all of us, where it's like, all right, not all of us are going to be in full-time pastoral ministry, that God's going to call some to that. Mm-hmm. But the idea that we have a calling and that even if we reach a retirement year where we technically are retiring from our career job, that we're not retiring from that calling. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a couple of passages of Scripture maybe I can just share that gives me and you and and those listening some perspective on this. And the first one I have in front of me here is Ephesians chapter 4. I'll just read the first verse. Paul writes to uh, the Ephesian church, and he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And he tells us how. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of faith. But how I read this is that it is the responsibility, it is the the part of the following Jesus life of living in this calling. What, What were they referring to that calling? Well, it starts with our salvation, our personal relationship with Jesus. But it also continues with living the life in a way that follows the, the, the ways that Jesus has led us. And you remember, we're to evangelize and make disciples. That's just not for the church. That's for any of us who are followers of Jesus who would call ourselves disciples. And that doesn't end uh, ever. And it doesn't matter what vocation we're in. I remember sharing my faith and, and letting people know I was a Christian when I worked for an insurance company. And I remember guys would ask me, how come you're this way? And, what's, and I would have opportunity to share as we stood at that counter waiting for people to come up. So whatever vocation we're in, nurse, doctor, uh, whatever it might be, um, we are to live in the calling that God, we are to live in a manner worthy of that calling. Jesus died for us, for heaven's sakes. And he has set an example for us that, that is lifelong. And so for me, you know, it also turned into a calling in ministry. Mm-hmm. And that happened when I was 30, of course. And there's a lot of factors that come into that calling. But I want to really leave this message to those people who are not in ministry, but to everyone in our church to say, this is a calling God has given you, all of us who are followers of Jesus. So live in that, and it doesn't end because you, uh, up to death. In fact, you know, one of the verses I, I thought about covering on Sunday was Hebrews 11, verse 13, where, you know, he's talked about all these different, he talked about uh, Abel, and he's talked about Enoch, and, mm-hmm. and Abraham, and Noah. And then he says, and all these people, uh, how did he word that? All these people. They all died in faith, they, not having yet received the promise. They died in yeah. faith. And you and I know people who give up on their faith. Yeah. And so we're called to live with this faith up to the moment of death. And then we get to experience the eternity with Jesus and how that unfolds. So I just think it's pretty clear that uh, uh, we are to live in that calling lifelong. Yeah. And, and like you said, that this calling is something that's for all believers. You know, that one of the things I love is we have just, just since the, the 10 plus years that I've been here, we had a pastor who was on staff when I came, mm-hmm. decided it was time for him no longer to be on staff, not mm-hmm. because of any failing that he had, um, but just because he, he felt like God was calling him in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Still at the church, still using his <laughs> gifts, still serving, still is very much in his calling. Yeah. 
And I, and I think sometimes when we, you know, there's different opinions on this, you know, we, it's not really what this is about, but sometimes I feel like when people talk about pastoral calling or calling to ministry in a unique way, I, I kind of grade against that because yeah. I just feel like, all right, that yes, there is a calling that God gives to some to sort of make their living at the gospel as the apostle Paul puts it. And that's, that that's totally biblical and it's totally there but it's not in some different category from the rest of us. Like, yeah. well, these are called and these aren't called. Yep. And and so to look at that, and, you know, I, I know people who are in their sort of retirement years. And in fact, I'll talk about my dad for a minute. You know, my, my dad retired from his job at Prudential um, kind of young. Um, it, it, if I remember right, I, he was 60 when he retired from that. And immediately after he retired, he started volunteering full-time at the church that they were a part of giving them their first executive pastor that they'd ever had. He had served in the church. He'd been an elder there. He'd served faithfully. He knew exactly what the church needed, <laughs> and he volunteered himself to step into it. And I just remember seeing that and saying, well, that's that's a biblical picture of retirement where he was freed up mm-hmm. to be able to give himself in a new way. And I just love the model that you're setting for people, whereas there's people in our church family that are in these years or are approaching these years and are thinking what retirement is going to look like. And there is something appropriate about being free from certain constraints, mm-hmm. but that the idea is not. You know, John Piper always talks about the the couple that went and just collected seashells during their retirement year <laughs> and this sad picture of going before the Lord in the final judgment and saying, look at our seashells and just saying, that's not what we want to do. And I love the beach, but that's that's <laughs> not what we want to give our lives to, that there's this beauty in saying, yeah, you, God willing, you will be more free to hang out with the grandkids and go see soccer games and plays and things like that, which is which is a ministry all in and of itself. And God willing, there will be more times for you and Miriam to get to do stuff that you haven't been able to do because yeah. you're more freed up, yeah. but that your life calling is still very much before you as we're put on the planet for a reason. God's given you specific spiritual gifts that the church needs and that you're still going to be doing that even if it's not in a role that has the title of pastor. Yeah, and I think that in different ways, this item of continuing on in what we might call retirement is from a, a, a in our in our culture is from like okay you've earned your you've done your job for so many years and then you retire well what do you do at that time well we don't see in scripture this concept mm-hmm. of retiring especially we don't see it in the New Testament and I. Um, I think all of us who are in that retirement zone of life, because I got a lot of peers and a lot of friends, many who are at this church who are retired. And I remember doing a, a study on Titus, on Titus chapter 2. And uh, it talked about uh, how Paul is telling Titus how to talk to older men mm-hmm. and older women. And in that, th- 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 there's, there's three things, self-controlled, sound, sound in the faith, mm-hmm. with love and endurance, and as I study that, it became clear that older men have a wonderful opportunity to continue to advance the kingdom of God if they'll think that way and they'll begin to say, God, where do you have me? Then how can I use this extra time in my life? Yeah, just like I'm going to still have some extra time in my life, but how can I use it to advance the kingdom of God? And it, I pair that with this story, with the thinking I read about older women and older men who could work with younger people. They have wisdom, they have knowledge. And in this, in this one book I read, it said that younger people, especially teenagers and high schoolers, they would love for an older person who's not their parent <laughs> to come and invest in their life. And when they know that this older person really cares for them, 
It's a match made in heaven, if I could use that phrase. And there's a great opportunity for ministry and discipling, and it's it's not maybe as formal, but it could be turned into that. So I just want to encourage those who are in that age not to give up on serving the Lord. God has a place for you. It may be there. It may be in another place in a church or in another setting. Enjoy your retirement years where you don't have a job to go to 40 hours a week. But don't let go of the opportunities God has right in front of you to serve Him in some capacity that meets your gifts and your abilities. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, we, we joke during the time, you know, Abraham was 75 when God <laughs> yeah. called him to leave his country. Moses was 80 yeah. when God called him to go and deliver Egypt. Caleb, I don't remember if we're told how old he was when Joshua led them into the promised land and he said, let me go take that hill country and that will be my inheritance. You know, there is this cool history, you know, Zechariah and, and Elizabeth. There's this cool history in the Bible of people maybe being at the age where you thought their their best years are behind them. And the main thing that they're known for is in these later years of their life. So one of the things I love is just you going into this ministry, that there will be people who are deeply impacted by you and also by, I know you and Miriam together, just because yeah. of the ministry that you'll have, yeah. that they will not associate you with LBF Church. Mm -hmm. They will associate you with these years of ministry that are in the retirement area, <laughs> but that that will be the main thing that they know you for. Yeah. And, and I think that that's just exciting. And I, I, I love the idea of that being something that's modeled to all of us. Um, and, and maybe just as, as sort of a final word, you know, you already kind of gave it, but just as you're walking with the Lord in this, what would be just a word of encouragement you'd want to give to our congregation of what the Lord's done in you during this time and what you would love to pass along to the rest of us? Looking at life the way I am thinking God has led me to look at it at this time in my life keeps me connected to his meaning and his purpose for living. Even Miriam. Miriam has taken on being a mentor mom and mom to mom. I mean, some of this is happening in our church right mm -hmm. now. She's walking with younger women who are going through those early years and it giving her meaning and purpose because she's retired from her career. She's been retired more than I have as far as the job and that kind of thing, but she's getting connected. So listen, it, retirement time in our culture is not designed for God. Let me put it, I shouldn't say for the culture, for, for how God would live us, have us live. It's not about sitting on the couch and doing nothing. It's not about only giving your life to RVing and golf. You, in fact, how could God use that to move you mm -hmm. forward? So I see the opportunity to continue to live with rich, full kingdom purpose and kingdom meaning based on the years that I've had here. And my goal is to just be myself, as we all should be, and help people see Jesus. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Gary. It's awesome, again, <laughs> to get to to hear the personal story for so much, so many of us who love you and have been impacted by you, but also to get that biblical challenge of how we all can look at God's calling for us. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you for those of you who took the time to listen. You may want to leave a comment or a question or some feedback on this because you can find all Christian Contrast podcast episodes um, on YouTube and also on our website, lbf.church. Um, we put a new one out every two weeks. And so we'll be back with two weeks in two weeks from now with a new one. Um, and thanks so much to Gary. And thanks so much for those of you who took the time to listen.